if you walked up to a door and they've already seen your face a handful of times, they've already seen your colors a few times, they've already seen your logos a few times, bro, you're starting to break those barriers down before you even open the door. And that gives you the opportunity to help increase that close rate. Marketing department and sales department should be synergized. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. And a few, I've made the horrid mistake a handful of times. The record button. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So. No, I actually, I've never done that, but I have forgotten to record my data cable or to plug in my data cable. So it did it, the whole thing via Bluetooth and the quality was just horrible, horrible, but it was yeah. a, it was a guest episode. So yeah. <laughs> I screwed up somebody <laughs> else's episode. Right. Right. Oh man. That's crazy. How's, uh, you still got, you, did you get the AC unit fixed on the trailer? Nah, it's, it's going to be at Pat's for a while. Like oh really? Else, it's it, it'll probably be there like a month, I would imagine. Mm. Yeah, it's gonna be a while. That's why I was like, at first we were moving offices because Alicia was starting her tutoring service and she was gonna take the office I'm in. Now I was gonna move across the hall, and they were taking too long. the The old tenants were taking too long to get out, and so we're like, screw it, find you another spot. I'll stay here, and then I can set up my my background and everything. Yeah. And so. um I was like, I, I got to get this done because I don't have the trailer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Anytime I could, I, I would use the trailer, but yeah, I don't know what's going on. Are, are do you like monitor your metrics on your uh, podcast a lot? Are you like in that or not really? You just Not really. Yeah. I'm just, I, as of right now, I'm putting it out. I mean, I, I looked at it like last week or something. Cause I saw someone was like, you know, posting their analytics i was like yeah i don't even know where mine's at yeah. right now you know yeah um, and and most i mean and it should be to a certain degree especially when you're first starting out it's just do it you mm-hmm. know what i mean and promote it and and try not to get too caught up in the metrics but we had a huge spike today from like you know we'll do 50 or 60 downloads a day to like mm-hmm. we're, we're almost at 300 today and i'm like holy what? crap what the hell's going on? You know, and usually we can, tie awesome. it, we can tie it to a guest or we can tie it to like a background or we can, you know what I mean? But I can't, we can't figure anything out. It, and it's weird because it's like everyone, like our last 50 episodes got downloaded five or six times each. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, it's obviously an auto download situation, but like, where did those five people come from that are auto downloading the whole thing? You know? Yeah, that's crazy. Huh. It's one of those no, I things don't like, I, I don't need to be looking into it. It's not that important, but at the same time, I'm like, how the fuck did we get this spike and how do we do it again? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I mean, you definitely want to to replicate it. That's that's kind of where I'm at is throwing. How many episodes are you at right now? I think this one will be like 66 or 67. Okay. Um, so, so I'm behind you. I'm about halfway behind you. I'm uh, I'll be dropping 31 or 32 on monday mm-hmm. um and so like the whole rest of this year i'm really kind of just focusing on you know getting the cobwebs out and kind of working through some of this bs and then next year like my full-time goal the goal is to be full-time just nothing but events 
podcast mm-hmm. for you know guest spots my own and then just really just putting out content 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 yeah, creating the so, top of the funnel yeah exactly nice. um yeah with this just it just became a passion out of nowhere it was just like there's all this stuff we could do to build our machine this was the only thing i was excited about well a you're good at it but b man this it's a power move i don't care what anyone says you know like you'll have some people that kind of half-ass a podcast and you know they don't really take it serious and then you've got the one the the ones that like bro like you've got heavy hitters on your your you know schedule and on you know and on your previous recording so uh, I think you're, I think you're killing it, man. And I mean, you're only just starting. I mean, what you're, I guess what you're a year into it now with 60 episodes or how many are you putting out? Okay. Seven yeah. months. So the reason for that is we started doing three episodes a month in June. Okay. Or three episodes a week. In June. A week. Yeah. yeah. And that okay. shot us through the roof as far as downloads, um, episodes and all that stuff. So, and, and it, it I'm not gonna lie. It has been a freaking grind to maintain. That's a that. lot. Yeah, it's it a is. lot. I mean, you know? Ryan's producing everything, and then, you know, my VAs are chopping up all the content and all that, but still, like, finding, you know, I have three guests a week sometimes, you know, so the coordination, and you know, most of the time it's just throwing out a calendar invite like I did with you, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It feels like a lot, even though I'm not doing that much, I guess, because I'm dealing with the uh, comments and content and all that stuff, too, so. No, it definitely is a lot, bro, because that's that's what I want to get up to. I want to get up to like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, it's just Mondays. And I my goal was to have already been at two a week. So it's just kind of stairs up like one a week, mm-hmm. then jump to two and then jump to three. And with everything we've been doing and all these like new programs we're launching, bro, even one a week has been like, I'm like, fuck. All right. Like, I'll go like batch like like I'll sit down and, and record in one day I'll record like three and four. I'll like literally change shirts and, yeah. and change hats. Like one, one episode, the hat will be this way. The next episode it's backwards, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, just to have like that peace of mind, especially with so much travel. So like, you know, the ultimate goal is to have the three. And I think three is going to be about the sweet spot for me because yeah. everything else I want to put out like live content and other types of blogs and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, man, that's awesome. Good for you. That's what I need to get into more is the live stuff. I haven't really done a whole lot of live stuff. Yeah. It, 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 the live stuff that I have done, it gets weird because sometimes you're talking to yourself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. But I keep yeah. having to remember it's going to be posted later, so people are going to go back and watch it later too, you know? That's what I do. I basically just treat it like, um, you know, a, a, a podcast, mm-hmm. and then, like, as people get on there and start asking specific questions, that's when I can kind of, like, fire away and it kind of – helps bringing in some of that that I'll, stuff full circle i always do mine driving and that's a mistake like just <laughs> yeah, right. the, the the prop or whatever and and have that yeah. hold the phone and be driving and but then right. like you can't read the comments and stuff yeah know? so like, yeah you got to be in a command station for sure right all right brother let's roll into this let's do it <laughs> all right guys i got zach roi williams he's been in sales and marketing for 16 years now 13 years of that, he was working for the man in corporate America for Fortune 500 companies with the last three years being in the private sector. Uh, Some of his recent victories have been $1.1 million million in sales in the first 10 weeks working with a new client, as well as a $100,000 day for his own organization. Guys, I've known Zach for 
probably close to a year now. I met you in uh, in Cabo, right? Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Uh, ever since I met you, dude, just the energy has been insane. The content you've been putting out has been insane. I mean, it's what I expect from a, a, a true marketer. You know what I mean? When I see marketers out there and stuff like that, and I go to their pages and go to their content, it just kind of falls flat, you know? But all your stuff is, like, hard-hitting. Your your copywriting is probably the thing that I notice the most. Your your writing is amazing, so, um, wh- where does that come from? Where obviously you have a love of writing for sure, man. Uh, I really don't know. Like there's, I don't think there's like a defining moment. Like I actually have not gone out and I, I've got it on order, to, you know, kick-ass copywriting, but, um, yeah. I don't, I don't really know to be honest. Uh, I will say that it did come over repetition. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to sit here and sound like everyone else. It's like, oh, man, like, you know, my friends all used to make fun of me and I just pushed through it and this and that. But still, at the end of the day, I found myself just utilizing social media because it was my job for most, you know, most of my adult life mm-hmm. to be there. That was the platform that I was, you know, put on to telling stories. Right. And it just kept developing to, to this process. And again, like, I don't want to sound like this guy, but I, I mean, if I, if I had a dollar for every time I've been called, like, you know, a social media queen or whatever the case is, <laughs> I would literally not even have to work anymore. But like, you know, my friends used to rag on me cause I would post so much. And at the time I didn't have a rhyme or reason. Like I wasn't like, I'm going to write a social media calendar and I'm yeah. going to do this all day, every day. I was just doing it because it, it came to me, it came natural. And so I was like, you know what, as I got this thought, let me put this out there. Let me see how people interact with it. And subconsciously, genuinely, subconsciously, what I was doing, not knowing was I was testing my market. I was yeah. seeing what types of, you know, creatives, what types of copy, what types of stories, what types of emotions people like seeing out of me. And it just kind of evolved to where we see it today. Well, I can tell you one thing that I've noticed is one, the experience, right? That, that 16 years coming into play when you see a post from you, but the other piece is like most people would look at it and you know, they're very opinionated and strongly worded posts, right? So they'll either be for it or against it and that'll be it. But what I'm looking at, I'm, I'm watching these keywords in there and I'm watching how you're kind of grabbing people and bringing them into basically the sale, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I can, I can kind of see that happening in the process. It's like, okay, Here's something to get your attention. You know, here's a struggle. Here's a pain point. Here's how I'm overcoming it or my client's overcoming it or whatever the case is. And then as you're doing that, though, you're describing your product, you know what I mean, in a sense, whether it be a course, an investment, whatever the case is. And then and then they're hooked at that point. And then they want to know more. And then click, click, click. And here we are. Yeah. $100,000 I mean, day later. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. That was... Um, a very interesting roller coaster for me, for sure. Uh, especially because as we know, you know, we're, we're not all profit. So I literally had to go to the bank and, you know, write a $50,000 check that Mm -hmm. from one day, you know, that actually the check was actually much larger than 50 grand because it, you know, accumulated the past two weeks worth of sales. Um, you know, we got about 50% margin on that product, but that Mm -hmm. was an interesting, uh, that was an interesting uh, time for me. It'll definitely go down in like that one of those stepping stones. Like, you know, 
I remember our first, you know, six figure month, right? Like, you right. know, throughout this process and how big that was for us. And then now fast forward to a six figure day, it was been pretty cool. But um, going back to your point on like bringing people into like the story and the pain point and the, the structure of everything is, man, I openly talk about it all time, all, all the time. And I'm glad to be on this specific podcast because it's mostly geared towards sales staff and sales mm-hmm. staff. I actually just got off a call with a prospect to work for us in the sales department. And it was really cool. Uh, I didn't realize it as I was saying it, but me being a CEO that came from the sales and marketing, it's great because I'll never say that sell any one person is better than someone else within an organization because it takes all the puzzle uh, puzzle pieces. However, me having experience in sales, I love the fact that I can keep my guys hungry. Right. And I can keep my guys striving for more. So that's really exciting. But um, what I was telling him is it's really comes down to, and what I tell everyone is it comes down to selling the dream, mm-hmm. right? Sell the, the achievement, sell whatever the, the opportunity is and not worrying about the product or service. A lot of times I see sales staff getting so caught up in selling whatever that product or service is versus pushing what that product or service provides, what that dream is. And it's been really cool, um, you know, to seeing how that changes between sell staff, even if it is the same product or service. I'll give an example. Like you said, we, you know, one of our biggest pushes right now is our investment program. Mm -hmm. And I put out a post and I was talking about how I drive, you know, a really badass truck. I mean, it's lifted, you know, 12 inch lift, 37s, 26 inch wheels, sound system, the whole nine yards. And my post about our investment program was, Hey, let me show you guys how I drive this badass truck and have all these parts on it for free every month. Mm -hmm. And as we were going through that, I mean, the leads just, it's insane how many leads that generated my wife, as I was like explaining to her, like, you know, where my head was at and the sales process, she, I saw it click in her eyes. She literally went onto Facebook and made a post. My wife's post was, hey, y'all see us going to Disney three times a year and everyone keeps asking me how y'all can afford that or, you know, this, that, whatever. How can y'all be away from your business, this, that, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she gave this whole pitch on how we travel for free or how we make money while we travel or how we can make money while we're asleep, when we're out of town. And it was crazy. We're both pitching the same exact thing. I'm talking about some big, badass lifted truck. My wife's talking about a Disney trip, yeah. same product, just two different approaches. And it, they both clicked with their own individual demographics. Man, we're, we're blessed because we get to sell something that you, you're selling in both situations. And to me, it's freedom, right? So at our company, our, our mission statement is we help each other achieve freedom. And freedom is driving around a $100,000 truck because I love that truck and all the parts that go with it, you know what I'm saying, and the look that it has and everything about it, you know. It doesn't have to be a $300,000 Lamborghini. You know, that, that's, my, that's my Lamborghini is my, my exactly. King Ranch lifted truck, you know what I'm saying? I love it. I love um, it. Pearl, right? <laughs> yeah, Pearl, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And so it's the same thing with your, with your wife. That's her Lamborghini going to Disney three times a year. You know what I mean? Like you, you wouldn't catch me dead at Disney. That's not my, my thing. <laughs> Waiting in lines and all that. Like I have, I have the pass Look. to Fiesta Texas, and we got the fast pass at Fiesta Texas, yep. which the lines are a lot smaller. So, 
Anyways, let me just tell you, I love my wife a whole lot. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> she she gets to go to Disney three times a year. You must love her, right? <laughs> Man, I'm sure your kids love it though. Yeah, it's, so, it, dude, it's amazing. So, you know, obviously you've been in in sales for a lot of that 16 years. Where where did the love of marketing come from? Because that 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 comes out of you when you're when you're posting, when you're speaking. When we're, me and you were just having conversations at masterminds. There's a there's an intense love of marketing there. Where'd that come from? Man, so like growing up, and I don't know how deep we can dive off into this, but like growing up, I love building stuff. Like I don't care what it was, whether you know, you graduate, right? First you start with like Legos and then it's like another type of toy. And then it gets into like tearing everything you own apart just to see if you can put it back together again, so on and so forth. And I think a a piece of my brain that operated from that, you know, transferred over or translated over rather into the business world where I was learning how to find broken pieces of businesses in the marketing and sales department and start putting those back together and seeing that business now run more efficiently and then keep tweaking on it. And now it's running even more efficiently and tweak on it a little bit more. And now we're, we're way more profitable. You know, we, we fixed our bottom line. We, we were able to increase our sales opportunities. We were able to bring in more leads. We were able to increase our close rate. Every little aspect that goes into producing a well-oiled sales and marketing department really fascinated me because Oftentimes, and, and I even had to nip this in the butt with a, with a private client mm-hmm. literally this week, is having a sales department and a marketing department that butts heads is one of the most toxic things that you can have. And I've been finding ways on incorporating those and synergizing those two departments because you got the marketing company or marketing department that says, you know, the sales staff can't close the door. <laughs> and then you got, the, you got the, you know, sales staff that says that the marketing company's leads are trash. And it's like, hey guys, let's have some communication here because guess what? The better we can make the marketing department, then the better you're going to be able to close leads. Look, I don't care who you are. A lot of our industry now, uh, you know, we close leads on this, a cell phone, right? right. Um, a majority, not all, but a majority. So if you knew that every time your phone rang and it was a sales lead, you only had a 10% chance of closing that deal, you're not going to be as enthusiastic as when you have that conversation as you are in a 50% chance or a 60 or 70% chance. Or in some cases, when you really start adding in some of the um, uh, sales friction, right? When we start actually qualifying these leads, 80%. If you knew that eight out of 10 times you picked up that phone, you're going to be a lot happier when you pick that up, right? So uh, a lot of that goes into having that clean concise and clear message between your sales and marketing departments. And to me, when I start seeing these things get fixed and businesses operate more and I start seeing more and more dollar signs go into these bank accounts, it gets me really happy, bro. Yeah. I can, I can imagine seeing the kind of impact that you're making with your clients. Uh, One of the things I've noticed about, about marketing and I haven't done a whole lot of it, right. Our marketing is door to door. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's barely marketing. That's the, top end of the sales funnel actually you know what i mean like so we 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 generate the lead from impulse from scratch right and so i had complete control of that so that was always easy you know that part of it right 
the way I see marketing is you talked about that conversion rate on sales, right? And so to me, being coming from the sales side, it's that conversion rate, sales is responsible for that conversion rate. Like you need to take extreme accountability on that, you know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter the neighborhood you're working in, what'll come out is like credit fails and stuff like that. That'll tell you you're in the wrong neighborhood, right? But people are saying yes, then you're in the right neighborhood. It's just a matter if they can qualify or not, right? And so one of the things I've noticed about marketing is it does, it, it primes that customer and, and creates a better conversion rate on the sales side because, all right, they, they know what the product is, they know why they want it, they have a demand for it, and now they need to talk to someone to complete the sale, to process the sale, whatever the case may be. And so good marketing can, can, can they, it can double a conversion rate, you know, and oh. there's, there's too many times that sales org owners and, you know, businesses in general just accept the kind of leads they're getting or accept the kind of prospects that they're going after versus tuning the marketing and tweaking the marketing or hiring an outside marketer to basically bring us better leads. You know, it's not quantity, it's quality, right? No, a hundred percent. And I feel like every industry is different. Even every um, geographical location is different. Every even specific business is different. Like I literally, I genuinely believe that. Um, And I think there is a sweet spot between quantity and quality. Now, first of all, my hat's off to door knockers, bro. Like I do think door knocking is the premier sales. Like I've seen some of the, the coldest people in the sales industry uh, as far as like gurus or top performers come from door knocking originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there goes a lot into um, being able to instantaneously bring walls down because genuinely, I don't really think in 2022, not to timestamp this episode, but where we're at today, I don't think anyone really would just be like, I love when someone comes over unannounced, <laughs> you know what I mean? Hell um, no. Right. So you're instantaneously walking into fighting a uphill battle. So to be able to pull some of those guards down instantaneously, I think is a very, very valuable um, tactic. Um, and I do see the, the value in actually having a face to face conversation. Me, if I could have all my sales calls or whatever the case be face to face, guarantee you my, my close rate would be significantly higher. I yeah. do know that there is a much more um, better opportunity to establish that type of relationship and that rapport with that customer when you're actually able to see each other, have that conversation face-to-face and put a face to a name. Um, But I agree with priming wherever it is you're going, Uh, Mm -hmm. not not to have like a shameless plug, but that's why we developed the virtual door knock program is it's all based off um, priming areas for door knocking and essentially ultimately not necessarily replacing it but hey if you can close the deal without having to get out in that texas heat boy i'm sure you you're (laughs) cool with it (laughs) um but there was a test done over at harvard in southern california where they surveyed 200 homeowners and they asked them who is your local real estate agent and there was no congruency at all on who that was i mean Oh, it's the guy whose billboards at the end of the street. Oh, it's the person that sold me my last house. Oh, it's my cousin or my sister or or a friend of a friend. So no congruency. Harvard then ran a, a, a study and they created a fake persona, fake picture, fake business name, logo, whole nine yards. And they ran what's called an eight by eight campaign where they sent out one postcard every week for eight weeks uh, with this fake persona on it, saying that they were the local 
realtor. Mm -hmm. They went back and resurveyed all 200 homeowners and 65% of people chose the fake persona. So yeah, man. So that's where we kind of come in on the marketing side of things to help assist the sales guy. If, if you walked up to a door and they've already seen your face a handful of times, they've already seen your colors a few times. They've already seen your logos a few times bro, you're starting to break those barriers down before you even open the door. And that gives you the opportunity to help increase that close rate. Mm-hmm. Marketing department and sales department should be synergized. Absolutely. That's kind of our two-pronged approach right now that we're working on is, is one, creating the, the interest before the door, like you said, and then two, closing in person, right? We never want to get rid of that. You know, the thought always is, you know, door knocking's dead, in person's closing dead well it depends on the product there's a lot of variables that go into this like solar is not something that is easily sold virtually now it is very successfully by people in our in our network but just like you said i know my close rates are going to be better if i lean into my strength which is yeah. face-to-face closing versus oh, virtual closing and so we're working on that as well as um we're we're doing super targeting in corpus christi so corpus christi texas is where our biggest sales force is and so like we've got SEO there. We've got, uh, uh, like you said, uh, wow. direct mail. Yeah, direct mail there. We've uh-huh. got uh, local news reporting on us there. We've got uh, local ads going on there. We want to be hitting them from every aspect: digital, print, in person, whatever the case is, reviews, referrals, all that good stuff. We want to be known as that 200 home area that Harvard was testing, but we want it for Corpus Christi, right? And then once we prove, we don't need to prove the model. We just need to execute it, right? Because we know the model works. Harvard just confirmed it. And uh, so we need to execute that model. And then we do the same thing in other cities if we want to expand. But there's so much money to be made in your market that you're in right now. You don't even have to go outside of your city for if you just layer on layer on layer your marketing in your target market. A hundred percent. And I'll tell you too, um, you know, this is something that I preach to our virtual door knock clients all the time. Uh, but I'm more than happy to share on your podcast is the thing is, is you got everyone fighting over bloody water. Corpus Christi guarantee you, if I pull up a Google right there, granted y'all running a bunch of SEO, which y'all are probably a few steps ahead of some of the other competitors. Mm-hmm. I'm probably, there's probably 300 different service providers in Corpus Christi. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much but say for example dfw right there it's ridiculous or even yeah so you start coming over and fighting over this bloody water as russell brunson calls it and now it's like who do i trust again when you have people like yourselves that's taken into that next step to have multiple touches where you are running seo so you know if you're running google ppc y'all have a whole list of people a whole percentage of people that'll skip past all those paid ads because they're like oh those are paid ads let me get into the real stuff they get in the real stuff boom there you are again okay now i've i've seen those dudes ads uh seen him uh he's ranked number one on google because of his seo he also has a paid google ad yada 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 now you're starting to get more and more validity but when we start taking a look at some of these, what I call sub markets, instead of going, and I'm going to use my local hometown, uh, for example, mm-hmm. instead of going out and being like, Hey guys, we are Baton Rouge's, you know, number one solar agency. Right. Eh, everyone else is trying to say that. Every, how many number ones can you have in Baton Rouge? Yeah. So we take the approach where we target the sub market specifically and come in and say, Hey, Sherwood forest, 
we're your local trusted solar company. Now you start getting way more granular with it. You're starting to capture their attention a lot easier because Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge. How, how many, how many ads are being run? You got solar, you got roofing, you got general contracting, you got fencing, you got, uh, you know, any type of ag stuff, agricultural, landscaping, you name it, even lawn guys, everyone's saying we're Baton Rouge is number one. We're Baton Rouge is number one. They're so blurred out and they're so dumbed down to seeing Baton Rouge is number one. If I saw any ad that said Sherwood Forest, I'd be like, hold up. Why are you talking about my crew? Why yeah. are you talking about where I'm from? <laughs> now you got my attention. So that's where we start getting really, really granular with how we target these places to capture that attention versus, again, fighting over all that bloody water. I can think of about three. And is, is Sherwood Forest a suburb or is it a neighborhood? So it's my neighborhood, actually. Okay. So yep. I can think about three different neighborhoods in Corpus Christi we could do that with right now. So that's huge. So yeah, guys, absolutely. write that down and start executing on it right now. And here's a beautiful yeah. thing is like, even if you're somewhat skeptical of the model, it's going to be super cheap to try it. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Like a neighborhood has a few thousand people in it. That's not a big spend on direct mail. That's not a big spend on SEO. That's not a big spend on uh, Facebook ads or Instagram ads or whatever the case is. So you're probably going to spend a couple grand to test this model and, you know, at least in solar, if you get one sale from it, then you got a duplicatable model. You're good to go. Exactly. And even I would focus on when you do try to, you know, team up with a direct mail or a marketing agency, mm -hmm. focus on ones that are data driven. Like our partners uh, for the direct mail piece, they spent two and a half million dollars uh, this year alone on data. I literally when we run our direct mail campaigns and I'll use solar, for example, mm -hmm. I'll literally go into a neighborhood. Hey, Sherwood Forest, we're your number one solar agency, right? I'll pick out houses that are, I'm just round numbers here, 3,500 square foot house, um, household median income of $180,000 a year, um, has a pool and drives a Tesla. Boom, done, right? Yeah. Like I can, I can literally target people based on those, you know, statistics and analytics. And then this year I deal demographics. So like I said, I, my thing is to give your sales guys leads on a silver platter knowing who they are what type of money they make to qualify them hey dude if they drive a tesla guaranteed they're at least interested if somewhat unless it's like a tesla plaid and they just care about having the fastest production model car <laughs> out uh, you know i i can figure out who, you know statistically who has a higher conversion rate uh, opportunity rather well and i know that bill is like 600 a month i mean so you come in there with solar and, and that's the big deal right now. If you're selling solar in California, right, you're saving them money month one. If you're selling solar in, uh, like, the Midwest states, you're not, you're not even saving them money. They better have a green initiative or a green thumb or something, right? And then in right. Texas, it's like month one, you're breaking even. So you got to get them to make this fifty to $70,000 investment, break even, knowing that they're, they're playing the long game. They're going to start seeing a, uh, they're gonna start seeing a profit in year two, year three, year four, year five, you know? Right. And 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 taking control back, you know, so they don't have these crazy energy increases that we're having in Texas. But again, it's easier to do that when you have a five or six hundred dollar electric bill. And maybe in 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 year one, I could save you fifty bucks. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because your your usage is so high. With a pull and a Tesla, shoot, it's over. Right. <laughs> you no. have to have solar, or you're gonna you're gonna spend yourself out of a home. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that all goes back down to like you know, your sales staff knowing who they're, who they're selling to. Mm -hmm. 100%. So where do, where do you see a lot of businesses struggle when it comes to marketing? What's like, 
you know, when you when you pick up a client, it's always the first thing you go after. You're like, I got to fix this. Um, their offer. Uh, you know, n- no marketing at all. I don't care who you are and how much money you have. You will spend yourself out of a business <laughs> to use your reference. You will spend yourself out of a business if you don't have a good offer. Um, so, you know, you, you might think you've got the next best idea, but if you don't pitch it to your specific demographic the right way, just use my wife and my post for the, the, the pure example. We had the same service we were selling. If I went to her demographic and tried to sell a big badass truck, no one's going to hit on it. Yeah. If she were to try and go, <laughs> pure example, <laughs> if she was trying to sell you on going to Disney three times a year, guess what? It falls on deaf I'm ear. Not listening. Right? <laughs> so knowing your demographic and knowing how to pitch your service or your product to them is, is literally the number one thing. The next thing we do is we go in and run competitive analysis on all your competitors. Uh, and we break those down to local competitors as well as global competitors. Mm-hmm. Your global or your local competitors are the people who are, if you're geographically based, that's who's like literally in your circumference. If you're, um, can be remote, uh, it's going to be whoever's like about the same level you are. We start looking at global competitors. That's your Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 versions of what you want to do, right? They are the ones that are spending the money so you don't have to. They're showing you what works because it's just I'm going to use, um, you know, your, your uh, random numbers, for example. Say, you know, you are spending are making $10 million a year. And one of your global competitors is doing a hundred million rough numbers. And you're spending $10,000 a month on ads. They're probably spending a hundred thousand dollars a month on ads or more. And now they've got departments to make sure that that hundred grand isn't just getting lit on fire. So they're going in, seeing what the market needs. They're doing market analysis. They're split testing everything. So when you can go under your competitors and see, what types of posts they're putting out. You can see what type of engagement they're coming back with. You can even go on there and see, in some of the cases, you can see what people do like and don't like about those offers. Mm -hmm. And then you can start making adjustments to what is it that your business does better than the competitor. Let's shine a little light on that. I've never wanted to like talk shit about a competitor, but if I see that, you know, that their product is subpar and that they've had a lot of complaints, I'll show, I'll start showing the fact that, Hey, we have no complaints that our products are superior and I will start shining a little light on that. Right. And then of course you want to hone in on like what it is you are good at and shine a light on that as well. So um, your offer has to be number one that you've got to focus on. Think about your demographic, who you're pitching to. Cause like you said, if you're out, in California, your pitch is going to be different than if you're in the Midwest, different than if you're in Corpus Christi, different than if you're DFW. Right. So you got to think about who you're talking to. And even in Corpus Christi, there's going to be some uh, neighborhoods that you're going to be talking to that's going to be uh, a completely different pitch than in others. So there's no one size fits all. I don't care who you are. And that's the number one biggest um, complaint I have with like marketing gurus out here that are pitching these like, you know, sell these trainings for sales and marketing because there, there literally is no one size fits all. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be custom. Mm -hmm. So speaking of that, one of the the things, you know, I was doing a little research on your website. One of the things that I saw is you guys use SWAT in order to kind of qualify your clients. Mm -hmm. And uh, so tell me why is that? And how do y'all execute that? 
Yeah, no, great question. So that's exactly what we do with our competitors. So it's called SWAT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, for me to hold my head high and go to sleep well at night, yes, it is to market your business, but it's also to market it efficiently. Say, for example, I see that y'all are having conversion problems or that your sales staff, uh, you've got two different sales staff. You got Jake and Paul. I'm just going to use those names. And <laughs> the, the whitest white boy names. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, Jake's conversion rate is horrible and Paul's is doing really well. And say, for example, um, for this specific client, I go go shadow him or I go listen into some of his sales calls and he sounds like he hates his life. That's what that's a teaching moment, right? There's an opportunity here to say, look, I can market your business all you want. And say we have, you know, 100 leads a month and 50 go to uh, Jake and 50 go to Paul. And Paul's closing 80% of them and Jake's closing 10% of them. We are literally wasting marketing dollars at that point. Um, so I take a look at everything within that own organization. So when we come on with a new client, I actually run a SWOT analysis on the client themselves. I want to see what their strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats are, because ultimately their weaknesses and their threats, I want to make better because ultimately I want the whole company to be better overall, because if we're going to be sending people to you and they start seeing what those weaknesses and threats are, they're going to be like, I'm out, you know, just the same thing. Like what you do with these marketing companies, you see a marketing company, you go look at their own social media or platforms or whatever, and it falls flat. You're probably not going to use them. Same thing. If, if I'm, you know, pushing your solar agency and we're pushing them and pushing them our agenda and we're pushing people your way, and you've got some major weaknesses and major threats going on, people probably aren't going to use you. Right. So once we get that business up and running to where their, their SWAT looks solid, we also do that with their competitors. And that's where we start picking out, all right, look, if say, for example, uh, you know, we're in Corpus Christi and we have one main primary um, competitor and they're, they're spending money, they're spending money, they're spending money. And, um, one of their weaknesses is, um, man, I, I don't even know. Like w- one of their weaknesses is they're known for leaving messy, messy job sites. It's a real thing. Yep. <laughs> so now when we get in the ring and take the gloves off to fight this competitor, guess what our promo is going to be? Yo, we leave, we leave beautiful job sites. We leave our job sites better than when we came into it. Mm-hmm. Now, if y'all were identical businesses, but y'all had that one differential, guess who I'm going to go with? I'm going to go with the person that keeps a clean job site. You know, it's crazy. We're on the we're on the same page with that because one of the things I came out with a couple months ago was this one cheater, right? So my guys are in the field. We're big on one cheaters, and we laminate them so they can use them out in the field as a visual for the customer, right? Because it's it's easy to to, you know, for some of us to visualize something somebody's talking about, but every now and then we need that physical representation of it, right? So we have a one-cheater, and it's called Difference Makers, and it walks through all the different things that make us different than every other company, you know what I mean? And that's all that is, is we're just doubling down on their weaknesses, you know? And we've got everything from the nonprofits we support to the energy drink, that's a big difference maker, to the solar insurance and everything that we've got going on. I think we have about five solid ones that really set us apart from the competition because it does. When you do face-to-face sales, you get it in a house, and they're like, what? I mean, they're not asking it, but they're wanting you to tell them. You can tell they're wanting it. Like, 
okay, you're doing the same equipment, you're telling me the same thing that this other solar company is telling me, what makes you different, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's where that difference maker sheet kind of comes in and they're able to execute on that. No, I think that's beautiful. And like you said, like, you know, when you, when you're have the opportunity to have that face to face conversation, you see these people that are, like you said, they're, they say it on them. They want to be sold. Mm -hmm. It's just up to your cell staff and anyone else that's listening. It's up to your cell staff or you, if you are that cell staff to, to extract what it is that they want to be closed by. Because like I said, let's go back to a dirty, you know, a dirty, you know, job site. Mm -hmm. You might have someone that literally just spent, thousands of dollars on their landscaping and the last thing they want is a bunch of blue collar dudes coming up throwing spit cans or spit wads out and you know leaving red bull or argenta energy uh <laughs> cans on, <laughs> uh, you know cans all over the place you know that's a, that's a big thing for some people so you got to Listen to people, pay attention, and they will, if you're, if you're, a, and this is the difference here between a salesman and a closer, right? Mm -hmm. You will, you will hear, you will find out, you will pull it out of them and they will tell you what they need from you to be close. You just got to be listening. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So when it comes to marketing and converting that to lead and then lead to a sale, what do you think can be, because, you know, so many conversations happen, especially like in the sales groups, right, where a, a lot of guys will brag on their marketing and their automation, you know. And so, you know, and I know this is a very general question and you don't have a particular product or client in mind. You know, we can narrow it down to, to home service businesses, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's obviously solar energy, that's roofing, that's um, construction, uh, concrete, landscaping, uh, yard maintenance, all that type of stuff. Any any type of home service. What do you What do you feel like can be if 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 the the business is sound, right? What can be automated versus what What do you need a person for? When, no, when that's a great that question. Process, when it comes to the sales process, marketing through closing. Yeah, no. So that's a great question. So I firmly believe that a CMO and a CTO have crisscrossing paths. Like I think a CMO needs to be able to have a good handle on all things marketing, but there is like automation that does come into that. Your, your CTO needs to know all the technical safety realm and, you know, data security and all that, but then they also need to know the automations. So with us being in marketing, a lot of our quote unquote marketing really just is, and going back to making companies work more efficiently is the automation stuff. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, I have a very, very, very strong stance on, I don't ever want to take a job from an American. So when I come in to pitch you on something automation, you can pull that wall down of saying like, Oh, you're trying to get me to fire people. I, I don't like firing people. Oh, it's weird. No, you have tasks that person could create that uh, now has the time that's more profit producing, right. whether that be, be whether that's more revenue generating or whether that's, uh, you know, helping things run a little bit um, smoother, mm -hmm. speed some things up. They've got higher quality problems than can be dealing with. So, like, for example. We, uh, we have a CRM program for roofing and solar. So again, I don't want this to be a pitch fest, but like we focus on roofing and solar. Those are mm -hmm. our two 
two industries that we focus on. And that's, so the, that's my demographic. You know, I have whenever I do an episode about solar, it typically I see a spike in downloads, you know. OK, so, so they need to hear this. Go ahead. Yeah. Awesome. So we have sequences and automations in place that are much more superior than some of these just straight up white leveled quote unquote CRM systems. So we actually have the, st the strategy and the, the abilities to come in and custom write what's called API codes, right? Mm -hmm. um, to have certain triggers that go out. So for example, and I'll just kind of give y'all how we approach roofing and solar clients. So we'll pull data first. We will then start nurturing and then the real, the real ones, the real clients will actually, I'll send them a map. We'll find, we split test three sub markets. Cause for me coming from a marketing background, I'm really good at what I do, but I will never say 100% without a doubt, this is going to be the answer. I want to show you at least three different op options and let the data and the statistics and the analytics prove it. Okay. Um, so we split test three different demographics. So I would come to you, I would come to your Corpus Christi location, and I would say, what are your three best um, neighborhoods? And we would pick the three, and those three, and what I consider best, we're going to take into consideration what your close rate is. We're going to take into consideration how nice they are to your door guys. Because just like just like when you, you pick up your phone, you're going to have a different attitude when you know that it's going to close. Yeah. You're going to have a different attitude when you know whether or not you're going to get cussed out or not, right? Yeah. So we take a lot of things into consideration. We split test three different demographics. Uh, we start nurturing them um, through SEO and through Google PPC and then a social media targeting. From that point, that's when we start initiating the, the door knockers. However, door knockers, before they go out, we'll send a surveyor to go out with an actual schematic of the prop of the location, and they will actually mark off whatever's more, right? They'll either mark off the ones that you can that already have solar, right? So it's like, all right, well, we're not going to waste money marketing these guys. So they'll go through a neighborhood. Say there's 500 homes in the neighborhood, and we mark off 100. We now have 400 real prospects that we can actually pitch to. So then we start nurturing those 400 people. Then we start sending the, that eight by eight campaign that goes out with the direct mail. So we start warming them up and it starts very, very non-critically. It's not like, oh, let's close, let's close these guys right now. When you're hungry for a close, you start missing the points, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just, and, you know, the first one that goes out, it's just an introduction. Hey guys, we're Argento. Uh, you know, we're going to be here. If you see us in the red and white trucks, I mean, blue and white trucks, y'all's colors are blue and white, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Blue, blue and, and white black. trucks, blue and black. Oh, uh, for solar, it's a uh, golden maroon, if you can believe it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, Hey, if y'all see us out in the golden maroon trucks, we just wanted to let you know and introduce ourselves. You know, uh, we're Sherwood forces, local, you know, solar specialists. So we're starting to get very granular with them. And then we start warming them up to saying that, hey, we're in your area. Then the next step we take is starting to remove pain points. Because I'll tell you, um, this is a big thing that most marketers either don't know or don't do. So a lot of it is just removing. It's the convenience factor. And it's also a, an embarrassment factor. No one wants to ask one of your guys, your surveyors, to get in their truck. They don't know where you're located. In their mind, your boy's got to get in his truck drive across town in 110 degree heat, get out, get on a ladder, climb up on your roof, start surveying area where the sun's going to, you know, where the solar panels are going to fit best, where the sun, you know, they get the most sun. And then guess what? They're not going to be able to afford it. 
So now they just had your guy get in his truck, drive across town, get all hot and sweaty, climbing up and down ladders, just to, just to not even be able to get the deal done. So now we start eliminating those pain points of them having that convenience factor of saying like, we're in your neighborhood right now. We're actually on your street. We would love to be able to walk by and just let you know what we found out, right? All we're looking for is that foot in the door. All we're looking at is putting a face with a name. Or so we start nerd. In, 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 in our case, and this is just speaking to the audience here, in our case, you know, the deal is done before, before any of that happens. A site survey does happen, but the contract's signed before that because we're able to do that digitally. Oh, you know, yeah, so that's could, right. Yep. We could relieve that pain point yep. in that marketing, let them know, hey, this is all done digital. We, we don't have to get outside in this hot, you know, Corpus Christi heat, whatever the case is. You can run out of them and, like that. And it's funny that you say that because even look at me, I deal with solar guys every day. And like I, that literally just like slipped my mind in a conversation. Uh -huh. So it's you don't know what you don't know till you know it. So if right. they have no idea that you can do this from a Google map or, you yeah. know, whatever uh, software you're using, yeah. they don't even know that. So that's a great point. So you start bringing in these um, this yeah. education. Yeah. This, yeah. And so from there, as we nurture all that stuff, we start collecting leads. Those leads, as you guys know, those leads can come in and depending on what we're doing with that, we can automate the entire process. I can even automate to where they can sign contracts, they can pay invoices, they can put deposits down, all this automatically. As your guys go out and they start door knocking and they start closing deals, we can actually automate that entire process to where they can hit a single button on their phone. It sends that information over to them. I'm sure y'all have a lot of this automated. Mm -hmm. From that point, everything on the back end gets gets um, thrown into specific triggers where we then start nurturing them. This is the biggest thing is nurturing them from like referrals and stuff like that and building out a sequence of events that happens to where we start increasing the lifetime value of that specific client and setting them up with their own systems. Mm -hmm. um, so these CRM systems, and I don't want uh, it to come across, especially on your channel, as like I'm not that educated on all of our automations because we have developers that actually can custom code anything that they want with um, specific, you know, API triggers and things of that nature. Uh, but if you can think of it, we can make it happen as far as automations, as far as, you know, contracts, uh, you know, payments, uh, as far as automating everything from pretty much any of your almost all of, you know, document trading, stuff like that can be automated. Mm -hmm. All of our triggers for our marketing and sales are automated. Uh, like if they scan the QR codes on the um, on the postcards, it actually hits specific triggers inside the CRM system to alert your different sales staff or project managers or whoever it is uh, on how this person's interacted and things of that nature. No, that's huge information, except especially if you're, if you're, if you're going into an impulse sale or you're working turf, you know, it, it's like you might prime a neighborhood for a month and then send your guys over there and then it's ready to roll and things start popping mm -hmm. off because now they know you. And, and now because you remove some of those pain points, they like you. You know, you remove some of the competition pain points or the ones that are in their head, whatever the case is. And then when they're meeting you face to face, trust is so much easier versus over the phone oh. or digital or whatever the case. So 100 percent. Tell me about your your marketing firm, where where are you guys headed? What's the what's the future for you guys? Yeah, no, I mean, so that's a great question. So, you know, we ended up falling into the investment space. That's mm -hmm. really where. 
one of our first clients, luckily we were able to, it was really kind of crazy. We took him from a million dollars annually to three and a half million dollars annually uh, within our first 12 months of working together. But that's not even the cool part. Obviously, you know, tripling your revenue and your profits is pretty freaking cool. But the coolest thing was we removed him from his business completely other than producing content. So that was pretty cool. Those numbers then led us to acquiring more and more clients in the investment and automation space. Mm -hmm. uh, due to that, we were able to reinvest some of our funds to produce our own investment program. And it's really fun because, because of utilizing what I'm considering other people's money mm -hmm. um, is our clients were paying us handsomely to produce these numbers for them. But all the while, not only were we working with some of the best in the space, but that also gave us the time, the money and everything associated to actually be doing those competitive analysis on the top producers. So now I've got, you know, two and a half years of education on how to beat everyone in the competition. Mm -hmm. uh, not only that, uh, in the last year and a half or so, uh, call it two years, we've actually been able to transact about 500 new investors through our own, you know, personal marketing. So due to, and sales department, actually. Mm -hmm. So due to that, we've gotten a, um, we've been able to see what these 500 investors like and don't like of right. all of our previous, you know, um, service providers and some are current service providers. So now we just keep developing this into something that's going to be more and more efficient and more and more investor minded. So, uh, you know, our program, um, it, is, is really cool because now we've got 500 case studies um, of other people's services to see what, the, you know, what worked and what didn't work right. on both sides. Nice. So we just applied that to our own program, man. And it's, um, it's been pretty cool because we're bringing people education and we're literally changing people's lives. I mean, I've got multiple messages on, we're literally changing people's family trees. And that's, to me, that's the most important thing because, um, you know, we're bringing a level of education that going back to it, you don't know what you don't know till you know it. Right. And we're teaching people. This is the part that, you know, most of our competitor, none of our competitors have is for us. Could we charge twice as much? Yeah. And we'd be right there in about the competitive market. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like you said, man, I love my truck. I got a 67 Lincoln Continental. That's my dream car. You put that next to a Ferrari and a Lamborghini. Like I already got it, man. I'm not out here trying to flex some McLarens and, you know, all this. I really care about the longevity and the lifetime value of a client. Um, I mean, our referral program is insane. People want to send us people for free because it's their friends and family. They care about them. So they want them to have their life changed. We just happen to give them free money for doing it. Like it's really cool. Um, but we bring in people to educate them on, Hey, now that you've made all this money, without with with no time invested let me show you how to keep it we're bringing in C, you know a cfo to train them on how to prepare their taxes what they need to think about for taxing yeah. what types of you know how to defer this and setting them up with bookkeeping that is specialized in like passive income as well as we're teaching people how to um, you know, build their credit up to where it needs to be if they if they're not there yet. So we can actually help nurture these people. Uh, and then once we get them there, we actually have two different programs where we can help them 
it's big on other people's money. Like, you know, yeah. if you were to put your money in the bank and it gets like 0. 0.001, you know, yeah. cents on the dollar. Right. And then inflation uh, hits. And then, if, <laughs> yeah. And then you're screwed. <laughs> we're able to help people acquire like 18 months, 0% credit cards, uh, borrow that money from the bank, use the bank's money to start making the money. And then as we nurture that, and as their LLC gets those um, tax, you know, previous tax records and builds up some good actual like credit through like Duns and Bradstreet and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. At the end of that 18 months, we can actually roll them into 18 more months in business line of credit at 0%. So now we've basically given them three years of utilizing other people's money at 0% and roll them into a really well produced uh, business. I mean, our, our cost is about 20 grand to get started with us. That's, that's a hard cost. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we need a line of credit. And with a line of credit of 20 grand, uh, you can produce uh, 50 to $70,000 in pure profit, uh, you know, basically months 12 to 24. That's like your first full fiscal year of running. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll make profits way before that. And we're actually revenue producing within 30 days. It's really insane. Um, but that's about 20 grand of operational capital. You bump that up to about 45 grand and you're looking at like 120 to 180 grand and just straight up money that you make. I call it mailbox money. I call it pillow money, you know, whatever you want to call it. But uh, it's man, it's been really cool to help educate people on how to use other people's money to make money. It's been a lot of fun. Well, a lot of companies aren't taking the time to do that. Right. So uh, first of all, this is possible, right? This, this automation or this product, uh, I know you are big on digital real estate too. So it's like, I didn't know until I knew, right. Like you said. And then, so there's a lot of people out there that, you know, that's their first investment. It's like a digital real estate website. Right. Yep. So, you know, you're going from home services, you know, servicing businesses, servicing individuals and turning them into businesses because what do we know? The the tax savings when you're a business is completely different than an individual, right? A hundred percent. So now your your company becomes less of a marketing company and more of a education company all of a sudden. It, and that's really what it is. And that was kind of going back to our previous conversation in sales is realistically it's education, man. You, you start teaching these people how, and there's like a, there's a saying that if you can ask a question better than someone else can say it, they will actually assume that you have the answer. So if I can actually help these people ask questions in my education before they can even wrap their head around how to ask it, they're just going to assume that I'm the authority in the space that has the answers, but a hundred percent. Right. And I'll tell you, like we actually, my wife and I actually just put off a pretty massive home purchase because we wanted to stay within our guidelines of how we decided to budget ourselves as a family. Mm -hmm. And for everyone listening, like we don't buy anything. So there's active income and there's passive income, active income. You actually have to work for. So that's your door knocking. That's you're running your solar company and all that. Yeah. And then you take that active income and you put it into passive income investments and then whatever that passive income investment produces is what, how we spend our money. So theoretically, everything that if you see, you know, go to stock me on social or anything else, anything you see, I'm Zach's not paying for. One of my LLCs is paying for it. And it's all based off money that was produced with by utilizing my money to make money. Yeah. And your active income never got spent. So now you don't owe taxes on it yet. It got invested into something else. You deferred the taxes. 
and now you're growing that portfolio tax-free for the most part, right? You're minimizing those taxes through so many things, Augusta rule, paying your kids. I mean, there's so many things that you can utilize when you have an LLC or an escort and, uh, and you're just building that portfolio, you know, and you talk about a 401k, this is a 401k on crack, you know, <laughs> like this is, this is different. Man. And that's been the hard thing as like, I've got a lot me and you both, we have a lot of really good friends that are in, you know, financial advisors and they're pushing you to the IRAs and the 401ks and all the A's, right. The, all the investments. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so like, I'm not shitting on any of them. And in fact, like, you know, so we have everything set up as in a trust, the trust owns all the LLCs, everything passes through accordingly and everything gets put, uh, or what we can push is towards, where we pay taxes now and let everything grow, um, you know, tax free. And so that's all the stuff that people don't know about. Like most people don't know about trust. Most people don't know that they can actually have an LLC and, uh, you know, push everything through that. So it's that education part of things that we're trying to help people with and really change these people's lives. Because again, it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you keep. And, you know, through that, that's probably been one of the most satisfying things because, we're giving people the opportunity to live their life how they want because everyone else with the 401ks, you know, like you were saying is retirements at 65. Like that's, that hurts my heart to say, you know? And so we're, we're teaching people that I can retire. I can retire most people within three to five years if they wanted to. Now, a lot of us entrepreneurs, we're, we're about working, right? You're, we'd be too bored not working, but I've got several personal, you know, friends, family members, and investors that are on a, between what their investment strategy is and how, um, how willing they are to throw money out from their active income, $150,000 uh, invested obviously with some lines of credit, but that would be a separate conversation, but 150 grand invested over a three to five year period. uh, We can easily produce in about $30,000 a month in passive income. That's insane. So most people never see that in their life. And it's just because they don't know about it. They don't know how to, how to spend money to, to make it work for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of wrap up here, you know, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all of my guests now, and it's become just a great question to ask, and I love it. And I, and I learn a lot with every guest, too. Um, so, you know, you talked about a trust. You talked about, you know, setting up that financial literacy, right? And it really does kind of lead us towards the next question, which is, you know, what, what, do, you, what do you think legacy is, and what legacy are you going to leave behind? Man. You know, it's funny that you say that because just yesterday, Jaybird, my head of sales, mm-hmm. asked me, he goes, when is Zach Williams satisfied? And it's not that I'm, you know, some crazy, you know, producer. I mean, I, I, I do well, don't get me wrong. Um, but it was it was the fact that like my so I have a, a daughter and a wife and those are my girls and it's just going to be us three. Like we, we literally dedicated ourselves to having a small family so that we can enjoy, you know, the not the nicer things in life. And as I'm saying this, like we're actually about to fly out next week to go to our favorite place in the world, which is Belize for two weeks. And those memories that we make in Belize and with all of the rest of our travel, our travel was the biggest promise my wife and I made before we got married is let's not stop traveling no matter what. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the memories. And those memories are something that I want to share 
with literally everyone I care about. So for me, the, the way that I've done this, and again, I really don't want this to sound like a pitch, but what we've done thus far with the ability of changing people's lives was showing them because at the end of the day, money, money does not create happiness, but money can help you. Uh, you know what? Money buys happiness. Yeah, I don't care what you say. <laughs> um, so helping people, the ones that I care about, live this life of their dreams has set in motion the craziest amount of positive karma I've ever seen in my entire life for my family and I. So what I'm per personally trying to do is set my daughter up to where she's set for life mentally and financially. And what I mean by that is my daughter will never have to worry about anything, but she's not getting handed multi-millions of dollars with multi-million dollar, you know, an annual revenue. Mm -hmm. She's going to have to work for it. But in order for her to get that, she has to become her own person. And so seeing my daughter become her own person and genuinely the way this is looking for me and my family is I'll be quote unquote retired in about 10 years. I'll still have my own little side hustles. I could retire now if I wanted to, but I've still got a legacy to build. And right. that legacy is leaving a super massive foundation for my daughter to take over and to be able to help change and impact as million uh, as many lives as we want. My current goal as far as leaving a legacy behind is I want to produce a thousand millionaires within the next decade. Damn. That's a advantageous goal for sure. I love it. Though. It's, I mean, you know, you, you already got your start. Obviously everyone's not going to convert to a millionaire, but you talk about the 500 investors that y'all have acquired over the last couple of years. I mean, that's the start, right? Maybe 10% of them will become millionaires or something like yeah. that. So it's like, all right, now you got a metric to attack that with. That, yep. That's that's my whole thing is, you know, what I've seen since I've been asking this question is these these huge legacies that mm -hmm. these people want and they're like eons from them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like sometimes you just need to bring it down a notch. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's not to like say like don't have big dreams and stuff like that. But, mo you know, the 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 answers are always so huge when it's like, shit, if you just take care of your family you may bring, leave a multi-generational legacy that 0.01% of the earth leaves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like most no. people will never leave, you know? And, and I'll tell you too, so like, and again, it's funny. So my, my head of sales and I, we, we talk every day, all yeah, day, love, pretty much. I love Jordan. He's awesome. Yeah, dude, he's a great dude. And um, we, we had a conversation because he sent me a screenshot where – uh, he was like, I'm rubbing off on Alexis, which is one of his daughters. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she was like, she left herself like a really, um, you know, motivational note. note. Yeah. And I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. And like, it was a real emotional um, feeling for me because obviously I know my daughter and I know I have impact on my daughter, mm -hmm. um, which would be a multi-generational impact. But, and, and, and Jordan would tell you this too. Uh, man, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. Um, is I, you, for lack of better terms, this sounds egotistical, but I pulled him under my wing. Right. Uh, I saw how much value he he had, and I saw he was being undervalued where he was, and I was like, "You, you are mine." And <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna invest in you. <laughs> right. And 
I've been able to see such an insane change in his life and his mentality since October when we started working together. And now to see those same trickle effects happen to his daughter is super impactful for me. I have control over what my daughter sees, hears, feels, thinks, and is surrounded by. I don't in my employees' families, right? Theoretically. Right. To see that impact from someone else's family tr start trickling down to multi-generational, bro, there's no words. There's no words. And, and I know you're doing that for your staff because me and you have had – offline conversations about how you know you lead from the front and what your staff what you do for your staff and things of that nature and man like i couldn't be more proud of you uh for what you're doing but that 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 feeling is special when you know you're impacting you know it's one thing to to impact people horizontally mm -hmm. once you start going vertically with it dude it's insane yeah that's where it's at i think that's where true legacy lies is in that multi-generational impact like you talked about that's a great great spot to end on brother um, yeah. If I do have, you know, some listeners that are interested in your services or just want to reach out to you, just want to hit you up, have a conversation, where do, where do they catch you at? Man, I appreciate that. So pretty much all across the board, you can find me at Zach with a K, so Z-A-C-K, and then it's R-O-I, like return on investment, and then Williams. So Z-A-C-K-R-O-I, Williams, and you can also uh, find me and all my links to everything at that website to zachrolwilliams.com. So just hit me up, man. You know, I'd love to meet all you guys. So, you know, hit me up on Facebook or Instagram, drop me a DM, and I'd love to chop it up with you. I'd love to meet you guys. Awesome. So we got marketing, investments, multi-generational legacy. That's the game plan. I love it, dude. I'm excited, man. I'm about to log off this, uh, this <laughs> call, and I'm, like, getting straight back to work. I'm pumped. All right, brother. Let's get building. All right, bro. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Make sure you like, share, and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts and subscribe so you're notified when we release new content. Great sales teams aren't recruited. They are built brick by brick. Let's get building.